Hello, and welcome to Tunnelling Journal's podcast series, Our Underground Future, in partnership with Heron Connect, supplier for modern tunnel systems that pave the way for the future, pioneering underground technologies. In this series, internationally acclaimed underground expert, Professor Arnold Dix, lawyer, scientist and engineer, examines the roles, opportunities and risks of underground development in meeting with humanity's most urgent needs. In this episode, Professor Dix examines the link between our most vibrant and prosperous countries and underground services like clean water and sanitation, warning of the pandemic risks to us all if these basic human needs are not met. We are the heroes of the future. We are the thinkers, the doers. We are those responsible for delivering the infrastructure, the unseen infrastructure, which has supported and will be necessary to support civilization in the future. And this future that we're looking at is a very much brave new world scenario. The landscape is changing. And it's our time right now, a time for each of us. The world needs us to deliver this underground infrastructure and also to operate and maintain the systems that we have in place already. And the need is complex because for the first time in the history of our planet, we have a collective consciousness. There's a connection a connection between us all, and it's this connection which gives us strength, but at the same time, at the same time, it shows the have-nots. It shows the have-nots, what the haves have. The difference between a strong country, a country in which there's safe, clean water, there's sanitation, there's access to food, jobs, everything and other countries where no matter how hard you try, almost nothing can be achieved, could not be starker. The chasm between the haves and the haves not is totally revealed by our connectiveness. The infrastructure we're delivering is giving a future to billions of people over multiple generations. Steady, consistent, sustainable development is not something we should aspire to, it's essential. We are involved in building, maintaining and operating the very fabric of what makes civilizations great. Without the expertise, the thinking power, the doing power, the delivery capability of us collectively, civilization at the rates of population on the planet that we currently enjoy, let alone greater numbers, simply can't be sustained. And it's not just a question of sustaining, it's also something far more fundamental. It's about not the number of people, it's about the dignity of a human being. It's about humanity. It's about what it is 
to be a human being and to behave in a civilised way. It's about the quality of life that we can reasonably expect and enjoy. It's about contentment and happiness. We're not in the business of existing for the sake of existing. We're here as civilised human beings to create a place we can enjoy and live and have fulfilling lives. But there are enormous, enormous global challenges. The ecological independence of our species for its survival on the natural ecosystems The connection between us and our planet is intimate. And where our subsurface infrastructure comes into its own, where it differs is we're able to stretch that boundary. We're able to make places that might otherwise be arid, arable. We're able to create spaces underground that can grow food. We're able to do the unthinkable at the surface. And we can preserve the surface for the quality of life of our people. And that that incredible, noble objective of producing a world fitting for us as humans relies upon us our expertise, our endeavour, our commitment to the underground. And the burden that that places upon us is more now than ever before because of things like population growth, because of things like restricted financial capacity, because of the limits of our technology and our technological and intellectual resources. And if that's not difficult enough, the laws of the universe conspire against us in any case. The second law of thermodynamics, the law of entropy, it says, essentially, if you don't put any more effort in, whatever you've created is going to degenerate into a greater state of decay. In other words, whatever you build, you're going to have to maintain. Whatever systems you've got to got in place, you're going to have to give them attention to make sure that they work and are optimised. Whatever we do, we've got to concentrate on continuing to do and making it better because if we don't, the universe says it will be pulled apart. That, my friends, is really at the heart of the challenge. That's the theoretical reason why we have to do refurbishment. That's why maintenance is so important. That's why you can't just have visions about the future and the infrastructure and other things that you need without understanding the essential, essential focus on maintaining what we have. Otherwise, the universe will take it away. So my key messages, the key messages I want to share with you, Wisdom is better than a smart. Knowledge is cheap. You can you can now try, call Siri. Hey Siri, search wisdom. Probably your phone just went off. Wisdom. Wisdom is understanding that prioritization of effort 
involves strategic thinking. It's not just about facts. It's about being wise. Wise is better than smart. If we do nothing, it means decay. And for those of us most fortunate to be within the advanced countries, it means we decay. The haves become the have-nots. To master every small and large underground construction project, the technology leader Heron Connect develops project-specific tunnelling technologies that turn visions into reality. Visit heronconnect.com for more. And the key, the absolute key things that we see behind all great civilizations, the things that we see in all countries which are stable and flourishing is they have access, their people have access to clean water. They have access to sanitation. They have access to efficient transportation. They're productive. They can be creative. They have consistency of access to food and they are generally happy. They've got the ability to enjoy being alive as a human. And the reason for us in the subsurface infrastructure sector that this is so important is because we are the glue, the glue that cements the relationship between our governments as a voice of the people and what they want and delivering the reality we deliver the tangible evidence to the people of the world that if they trust the government, their lives can be better. We contribute to social order. We're part of the social contract. We are what make things happen. We're not the blah, blah, blah. We're the do, do, do. That is fundamental to how and why the underground sector, underground infrastructure, underground space has to be developed in a sustainable way globally. And we need that for prosperity and for social order. We need that so that we can enjoy being alive in this point in human history. It's not just incumbent upon governments to to call us in to build this infrastructure. There's something more in that as well. In each of our countries, all of our countries, without exception, there is a common thread. And the thread is that governments, whatever form they're in, have special duties of fairness to their people and a special duty of fairness to those they contract with. This special duty is something which all of our laws in all of our countries acknowledges and entrenches. Governments must be fair. There has to be a fair deal. Without the fair deal for everybody, government doesn't work. It's doomed. And we are an important 
part of that equation because we deliver the aspirational goals of our governments reflecting the voice and will of the people. And there are dangers. Of course there are dangers in this. With this responsibility, with the technology that we deploy, there are also innovations, mostly fantastic, but beware. The cyber security issues associated with our modern technology, our modern developments are real. They're real. You don't have to be a conspiracy theory person to be involved in that. Google Google it yourself. Uh, look at, uh, for example, the um, attack on the Saudi Arabian petrochemical plants uh, through simple old PLC controllers in the uh, safety systems of the control computers. There's a dimension in this we must be aware of, and that is, of course, the undoing of the great things that we're trying to achieve for our societies and for our governments, because there's a political dimension to this as well. And one of the other challenges right now is with so many governments around the world looking to major infrastructure as a way of lifting um, the performance of their country and their people, there's this mistake that you have to go with the brands. It's a very much a, a, a sort of a mid-2000s phenomenon. We're going to go brands because if we go brands, we can't be criticised. Beware of the brands. My friends, for those of us who are technical, scientific, engineering, educated in the technical disciplines, we know what matters is that it works we know that what matters is that you've got the right person. We know that what matters is you've got the right person using things at work to get the job done. Not what someone else tells you you should have, what you need. Don't be bashful. The needs of one country are different to another. The way you deal with climatic conditions, the way you deal with supply chain issues, the way you deal with the regulatory issues differ from country to country. So do not be bashful about that. In delivering this infrastructure for our communities and our governments, remember, don't be blinded by the branding. Look instead for the substance. Does it work? Do I trust this person? Can I work with them? And then we can get the job done. We're not buying things at the supermarket. This is major intergenerational subsurface infrastructure. Of course, one of the favourite things of this particular era in human history are some of these incredibly disgusting commercial distortions which occur with unrealistic contracts that actually stifle our engineering and science. For those of you who are lawyers listening, do yourself a favour and help your clients get the job done. That doesn't mean creating contractual arrangements and other manipulations of the commercial environment that that actually stop and prohibit the scientists and engineers for doing their job. You're there to empower, empower your clients, empower them. This current fascination with uh, 
total risk avoidance and total risk sharing, whether it's through subcontract chains or um, in the main contract or however, get over it. Focus on what we're really up to here. We've got a very important job to do, delivering major infrastructure for our society. Lawyers, if you're listening, help. And those of you who are into standards, and I know there are many of you, don't be bashful about doing good science and good engineering and making exceptions where exceptions are appropriate. We need to stretch the world's resources. We need to get the most value for our citizens in delivering our underground infrastructure. And from time to time, that means doing engineering and science, which is outside the standards. Do it. That's what you're trained to do. Do it for the good of our entire planet. And of course, risk assessments, my goodness. For those of you involved in risk assessments, come on, stop stop mucking around. This reverse engineering of decision-making by getting the result you want by reverse engineering a risk assessment, we're on to you, right? Don't do that. Do good engineering, do good science. Let the risk assessment process inform you, but it's no substitute for doing your job correctly. Our job is too important. We've got nations and citizens to protect. Let's be scientists, engineers, and deliver the infrastructure that's needed. So what's the situation now in the world? Well, things are stressed. They're really stressed. We are at a stage in our history which is severely stressed. Our social contracts are severely stressed. There's a decay in civil trust. Put simply, why should I conduct my life by your rules if I can't trust you to look after me? And you see that. We see that now. We see it right now in Hong Kong. We see it right now in Paris. We see it right now in Argentina. Citizens saying, I don't want to play by your rules because you're not looking after me. That's the social contract. We are in the subsurface industry, part of that social contract. We're in the business of delivering water that can be drunk, sanitation that's safe, transport that works, the fundamentals for a society. We need to discharge our duty to make sure that social contract is protected. And at this time, when there is so much stress in the world, there's simply not enough expertise to go around. There's such enormous global demand, global demand from countries trying to reinvent themselves. For example, um, Saudi Arabia with its reforms and the um, amazing Riyadh Metro network, Uh, the transformation which is occurring in Qatar with the Doha Metro, transformations beginning now in Africa, transformations in Western Europe, in Asia, in the Pacific, and of course, new systems in the United States. With the non-uniform distribution of expertise and resources, it's so important that we focus upon how we efficiently and effectively deliver the outcomes for the people of the countries around the world, being sensitive to their local nuances, not delivering, not just delivering uh, a Paris metro into an emerging economy, because it's not Paris. 
you know, not delivering the the New York solution to a country in Southeast Asia because it's not New York. The subsurface infrastructure must be tailored to the particular needs of the economy seeking the benefit of it. And we, as the underground infrastructure and development experts, need to be sensitive to the needs of our brothers and sisters and to build them what they need, not just build them what's easy for us to build. So, what does that mean? Well, we're the haves. I'm, I'm part of the have team. And the trouble is, without action, the haves become the have-nots. The built becomes the ruin. History tells us that. History shows us in plain view what happens when we don't maintain our social contract, when we don't keep our countries moving. And the have-nots, what am I talking about, have-nots? might come as a surprise to you. This might come as a surprise to you that 70% of the world's population has no access to safe water. That's according to the World Health Organization, 2019. 70% not safe water. 55% of the world's population do not use a safely managed sanitation service. Continuous progress is the essence of life and tunneling. Heron Connect tunneling technology paves the way for a world in which underground infrastructure opens new horizons. The world does not equitably distribute even water and sewerage. I recently visited a country in Africa where 40 million people inject their sewerage into the same aquifer that they extract their water, their drinking water. There is no safe water supplied. There is no reticulated sewerage. That has the potential to bring all of us great risk. All of us. Because our life, our quality of life, the, the life expectancy, the human dignity, the what makes it worth living for us at this point in human history depends upon this infrastructure. Just imagine, thought experiment, here's the thought experiment. Imagine, select any country, any country you want, doesn't worry me which one. Just ask yourself, what is the situation with water? What is the situation with sewage? What is the situation with transport? Got a country? Thinking of that? Water, sewage, transport. And you will find, absolutely find, the direct correlation between water, sewage, transport and well-being. So what's the threat? Well, the threat is very real. We've just got one planet. We share each other's air. We travel amongst each other's countries. We are incredibly connected. You know, in 2009, the N1H1 pandemic, 
resulted in something like 15,000 deaths in the US alone and around half a million deaths worldwide. That was back in 2009. 2014, Ebola struck Africa. And it was only because of the threat that Ebola was going to run around the world and kill people in other countries that the developed world stepped in and put the brakes on it. The potential for all of us to suffer as a result of the development of disease in the countries where there are high populations and low access to things like water, sewerage, is enormous. And there are opportunities with that as well. It's not that I'm suggesting uh, we, we need to uh, go and donate our services to every country in the world. No, what I'm saying is we can show leadership. We can show thought leadership. We can show wisdom. We can share know-how. We can help the countries emerge. And in helping them emerge and to share the benefits of things like clean water and sewerage and the like, we're also protecting ourselves. We're protecting ourselves because it's in all of our interests because we share the one planet for us all to enjoy a life, a dignity, a sense of humanity. So some interesting speculation on what the world's going to look like in about 30 years' time. This uh, latest projection from the United Nations uh, is the World Population Prospects 2019. And in it, it says that the world's population is expected to rise to around 10 billion, just shy of 10 million by 2050. But it's interesting. There are nine big countries where the bulk of that population rise is going to rest. Where are they? Which countries are going to bear this burden? Well, India is one. Nigeria is another. Pakistan the Democratic Republic of Congo. I hadn't even considered the Democratic Republic of Congo, but it's on the list. Ethiopia was there recently. My goodness, if you haven't been, go. Amazing what's happening in Ethiopia. Tanzania. Indonesia, powerhouse of Southeast Asia. Egypt, North Africa. Again, expected to have huge increases in population. But the one that surprised me the most is the United States of America. The United States of America is in the top nine expected countries to bear the burden of major population rise. The United States of America. So what does that mean? Well, it means no matter where you are, there are going to be constraints. So for those countries, there's going to be restrictions on money, skilled people, there's going to be differences on the value of a human life, health and safety, the social cohesion, the fabric, the, the agreement, the social contract varies from country to country. But consider, again, United States. That means in addition to the burden of refurbishment and maintenance of its existing infrastructure for its water, its sewerage, its transportation, its energy, uh, all of the, 
the things that make America great, it now has to bear the burden of major infrastructure development for its increase in population. That's a challenge. That's a real challenge. Superpower or no superpower, it's a challenge because increasing population is a burden. Increasing population when you have existing infrastructure that needs refurbishment and replacement, an even greater burden. And it takes wisdom. It takes wisdom to cut the cloth to invest responsibly in that scenario. And Despite the popularity of saying that the whole world is the same and it's a small world after all, the fact is that things are different place to place, country to country, province to province. Even the value of a human life, even the acceptability of placing your citizens at risk, we are not the same. And if we as the professionals who are delivering underground infrastructure around the world do not recognise this, then we are missing some of the variability, some of the key variability that should form part of our equation for what is and is not acceptable for the journey of that country towards greater health, greater prosperity, greater satisfaction and opportunities for their citizens. We're in the business of delivering the basics. We're talking water, sanitation, transport, electricity, mostly unseen. And for countries, they get the benefits. They get the continuity of food supply. They get the productivity. They get the economic growth. They get the quality of life. They get life expectancy. They get health. They get research. We deliver the platform for those futures. In this world, over the next decade or so, in a world where we are as different as we are the same, will come a new dimension, and that is the role of the robots. And my friends, that is going to require some wisdom. Because in the parts of the world where human life is valued extremely highly and where there is great economic wealth, the equation seems clear. It seems clear that we should use the robots in the high-risk work. But there's also a place for people. There's also a place for responsibly using labour in building infrastructure to develop nations. The challenge is to do it wisely. The challenge is not to do it callously because with the opportunities of employment come the opportunities of experience and education, the opportunities to develop supply chains, the opportunities to develop an internal capacity to deliver and expand infrastructure. And that is part of the legacy we should be trying to deliver to other countries around the world. So, it's not easy. We have to be wise. We have to recognise that there really are haves and have-nots. 
We've got to realise that there really is a place for labour and there really is a place for robots. We've got to recognise that our wealth and well-being is based upon the infrastructure that has been laid down generations before that and we have a responsibility to maintain and improve upon it. And if we don't, our civilization is at risk. And for those countries that are beginning the journey, for those countries looking to join the world community in a celebration of humanity, in the dignity of being a human being, in the quality of life, the journey must commence. And we are in a position to assist and to help with our expertise, our learning and our businesses. And it's an enormous opportunity and an opportunity that we should take and we should take it wisely. In taking these decisions wisely, in helping the world's many nations on this journey, we're actually securing our own future. We're actually securing a common future for humanity. My friends, right now, our challenge is to wisely administer the world's limited resources in a way which is sensitive to the needs of the local countries in order for us all to share a single planet and enjoy the rewards of a rich life together. And if we don't do it, all of our futures could be jeopardised. Thank you. That was internationally acclaimed underground expert, Professor Arnold Dix, lawyer, scientist and engineer. In the next Tunnelling Journal episode, Professor Dix explores individual roles and responsibilities while delivering, maintaining and operating underground infrastructure. Based upon Professor Dix's experience as a barrister, investigator and attorney, the most common legal traps for individuals are identified and strategies suggested to mitigate personal risks. Thank you for listening. This podcast was brought to you by Tunnelling Journal in partnership with Heron Connect, pioneering underground technology. Visit heronconnect.com for more information.